You're listening to Your Highest Self Podcast, episode 83. Today, we're going to talk about how to slow down. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in your mind and doing it with me today. So if you listen to last week's episode, which by the way, I am so happy how much it resonated with you guys. I got so many DMs. Um, We talked about integrating and recalibrating your next level. So I thought it was really cool how so many of you are actually going through that process right now. Um, So you learned that in order to recalibrate and be able to operate at a higher capacity, you need to feel safe in that new level. I touched on how to do that, but today we're going to dive deeper into the topic of slowing down. So slowing down used to be my kryptonite. I had no idea how to do it, and I glorified my busyness. I just was always jumping from one thing to the next. And this is a concept that I want to be honest with you in telling you that I'm still going through. It took me about a year with my therapist to be able to finally implement days off. Um, but you are learning this from someone who is flawed. I don't pretend to be perfect. I've come a long way. I only work like 25 hours a week now versus the 60 to 70 that I used to. Um, but I'm not perfect. I am human. I am flawed. And my natural tendency is to overcompensate, is to overdo and to overwork. So I'm constantly checking in with my highest self to take my foot off the pedal, especially when I revert back to my old tendencies. So tune in today and learn how to identify if you need to slow down, like if this is a season for you to slow down, um, inner child healing to connect to a deeper meaning of slowing down, the energetics behind it, and practical steps on how to slow down in your life. So I'm very excited for this episode. And as always, take what resonates, leave the rest. And I'd love to hear from you on how you bring slowing down into your lifestyle, how that looks for you, and how this episode resonates with you. Before we get started, I do want to take a moment to remind you about a program that I've got coming up. And if you want to get on the wait list, we have links down in the show notes. Um, And this is an eight-week group coaching program for aspiring entrepreneurs to step into your purpose and make it a thriving business. I'm so excited. We are going to be talking about the masculine and feminine energy of business. So the masculine energy of structure and strategy, and then the feminine energy of connecting with your intuition, healing, and going with your own inner wisdom and flow. So what I mean by that is on the masculine side, we're going to be creating your first offer, signing your first client and getting yourself visible and seen on social media, whatever platform that looks like for you. Maybe it's podcasting, maybe it's Instagram, maybe it's YouTube. I'm not going to get into the strategy of like how to do all that, but I'm going to guide you through getting your mindset and your energy in the right place so that you can make yourself visible. And on the feminine side, we're going to be going into rituals to connect with your highest self and to heal and to connect with your intuition so that you're starting to operate and drive this business 
from your highest self. I'm so excited. Um, currently the program is called create your purpose, but, um, if you've known me a while, you know, I changed the names of things like a million times. Um, <laughs> this is how I am. So that might change, but you know, it's, 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 all going to change for the highest good. So if that's speaking to you, if you would like to work with me in a group capacity on your business this year, this is going to be probably the only, it's going to be the only group coaching program I run. I'm going to do two other courses later this year in my certification program, but this will be the only group. So get in while you can. It's going to be a limited um, seats because it is going to be a beta. It's my first time running it but it's going to be limited. It's all going to be taught live. There's four main modules. And then every other week we have a Q and a so that you can come ask your questions and we can integrate and take action. So I'm super excited. That is going to be, we kick off the program May 31st. So it's two months from now. So you can get on the wait list and get our special pre-sale price. So that's all down below. Okay. Let's get into it. So first and foremost, here's when you know you need to slow down. Okay. You worry your life or business is not going to work, in quotation marks, not work, if you are not constantly working. So this is that fear of if you take your foot off the pedal, everything is just going to come to a crashing halt. That you need to constantly be on, right, like on, in order for your business to thrive. You don't have any true days off in your schedule. And when I say true, I mean true days off, like not like you are, oh, I'm just going to do a little bit of this on the side or this on the side, or um, on the days that you do take off, you're not guilting yourself and telling yourself that you should be doing something else. You take a day off, then think you should be working. It's basically what I just said. Um, you're going through a transitional season in your life. So this one, um, this one is really important. So if you have suffered a loss or have had a big external change or perhaps like an upgrade in your system, you, you do need to slow down. This is a transitional season in your life. You need to slow down in order to work yourself through it versus trying to hustle your way through it. You feel badly when you're not productive. This is for all of my overachievers out there um, where you put your self-worth into your productivity. And if you're not constantly doing something, then you don't feel productive. And this even goes as far as having a limiting belief of you don't deserve a day off. And last but not least, you're busy doing a lot of stuff, but the big needle movers aren't getting done. So in business, needle movers are what increase your revenue. It's what brings our business forward. It's what brings um, in any goal, fitness goals, there are needle mover goals. So if you're not moving forward with your goals, with um, these things that you're trying to achieve, but you're constantly busy, then that's a big indication that you need to slow down. So I think the biggest um, setback to why a lot of us don't want to slow down is because we're very ambitious, right? We have these goals we want to achieve. We have success that we want to feel. And so, and we know, because this has been true for the past, that you don't get anywhere by not doing anything. Like you have to work hard in order to get what you want. And that is true, but it's not a hundred, it's not the full truth. It's true, but it's not the full truth. Because when you get to a point in your life where you are operating from the wounded masculine, if it's scarcity, if it's hustle, if it's constantly go, go, go at the detriment of your personal, mental, emotional health, then 
that that's where that's not the full truth. Okay. So slowing down, taking some days off, putting in some notion days, which I'll get into later, slowing down during a transitional season for you is going to be the thing that brings you to success. You just don't know that and you're not trusting of it because it feels very uncertain to you. It feels very um, uncomfortable, which that's the kind of slowdown I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about like, oh, going on vacation and like feeling great about it. I'm really talking to those of you where slowing down is a huge discomfort. And that is what I experienced last year. And that is also what created the quantum leap in my life this year is when I slow down to the point of discomfort. So how do we know, like if, how do we try to think of the right question to ask? So let me, let me put it this way. When I work with my clients on this, because a lot of you guys are just different versions of me, um, I would say 95% of my clients struggle with slowing down. And so when we work on this, the way that I help them move through it is with inner child healing. Nine times out of 10, it's inner child healing. So I'm going to walk you through a couple different questions to help you connect with your inner child to find the root cause of why slowing down is not safe for you. Okay, so if you have a journal, this is a great time to pull your journal out. Um, And the first question is, or the first prompt is, what is the trauma associated with slowing down? What is the trauma associated with slowing down? Number two, who modeled this behavior for you? Who modeled this behavior for you? And number three, is this serving you or hurting you? Is this serving you or hurting you? So write all of them down. And then after the show, take some time or pause me and just take some time to reflect on each one. And I'm going to kind of go through each one as well. So a lot of times the resistance to slowing down is because we have trauma associated with slowing down. Perhaps you have um, a history like me where I had to be the one to make ends meet. Um, I don't know how much of my story you guys know. I don't know if I'm su- if you're super new to me or like where you know where you found me, but um, I was kicked out when I was 18. So I was a senior in high school. I've always had a very tumultuous relationship with my parents. My dad is in the military, so he's super, super strict. My stepmom is Japanese, and so she was super, super strict. And then my biological mom um, did not raise me, and she was not in my life for the first, like, she was in my life, like, the first four years, and I didn't see her for, like, six years. So I always held this belief that I was abandoned and I did not matter. So the trauma associated with slowing down for me is that from the time that I was like, gosh, what age was that? Like in sixth grade, I, if I missed the bus, so when I was in sixth grade, I lived in Japan and um, I went to school on base, but we lived off base. And so it was a 45 minute bus ride 
um, or is an hour and 15 minute bus ride because my house was like one of the first ones where we got picked up at. So if I missed the bus, then it was a 45 minute walk to base. And as I don't know how old you are in sixth grade, like 12, 13, um, my parents were, um, how do I say this in a nice way? Um, they made me very self-sufficient. And while I could do all of it, it just made me a very highly um, sufficient child. And so I took on that burden of providing for myself at a very young age. And so if I missed the bus, I had to walk to school. Like my mom wasn't going to get up and drive me to the bus stop. The bus stop was a 15 minute walk away. She was still sleeping. Um, So if I missed the bus, I'd have to walk to school. And that's, that's kind of a a heavy burden to put on a child. Um, I got kicked out at 18 years old. And so I had to figure out where am I going to live for the rest of my high school years? And then where am I going to go to school? How am I going to get through school? How am I going to pay for all of this? Because my number one driving force while I was in high school was I am not staying at my parents' house. And I don't know anyone else who was like me, but I just had this intense drive. I was like, I am not going to stay in this, my hometown. I am not going to go to this community college because everyone else was. I was like, I am going to move out. I'm going to live on as many loans as I need to, to get through school. I cannot be in this house anymore. And so getting kicked out at 18 was traumatic, but, but I had sort of, um, like, um, gotten myself ready for that, I guess you could say. And so that's my trauma was slowing down. I could, did not slow down as a kid. I could not slow down. If I slowed down, if I, I wouldn't make it to school, right. Being in sixth grade, like if I didn't go and do that, then, um, like I, I would get in trouble because I didn't go to school, um, after I got into college. So I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and I majored in city planning, which is hilarious if you look back at it, but it was the one major I knew that they would accept me. Um, They accepted everyone because no one applied to be a city and regional planning uh, student. So throughout all the four years that I was in college, I had to work three jobs to make ends meet. I was doing, right? I was going, I was hustling. I didn't have people to depend on. And so that's my trauma associated with slowing down. If I slow down, I'm not going to be able to pay for my rent. I'm not going to be able to pay for my food. I am not going to get good grades. I'm not going to have my base level on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like my physical safety, food, and water. Like those needs were not going to be met. And so looking back at your life, trying to sort of looking at your life as like a puzzle and all these puzzle pieces are laying all around when we're doing this shadow work, deep inner work, it's almost as if taking all the puzzles of your life, especially those puzzle pieces that you've like put up in the attic and you're like, I don't even want to think about that anymore. But it's like taking down those pieces and really seeing how all the different pieces fit to make this big, this big puzzle of of your life, this masterpiece So really seeing your masterpiece. So I know it can be daunting to think about what is the trauma associated with it, especially if this is something that you have like pushed to the side or oppressed for many, many years. And it's hard for you to be vulnerable about it with others, let alone yourself. I know how deep this work can be. And so I just want to offer you 
um, my compassion and my love and my acknowledgement that I know this can be heavy, but I promise you as you process, like as you reprocess these experiences, this is where your healing comes in. This is the work of healing to reprocess these experiences and integrate them so that you can heal because you're not broken. These are just experiences that have been in your past that have not had the chance to be integrated. And so that's why you're kind of walking around with this wound. So recognizing what, why can't I slow down? What is the trauma associated with that? For me, it was very literal. If I slow down, who's going to take care of me? I had no one to take care of me. I had no one to depend on. So for since from 18 to 28, I was like in survival mode, constantly working. And I know so many of you can resonate with me on that. I know I'm not alone. So I want you to know that you're not alone if you grew up with that same survival mentality. Going into question number two, who modeled this behavior for you? Sometimes it is modeled through our parents. Um, as you all know or may not know, from zero to seven years old, your subconscious brain is like this sponge that is literally downloading everything around you, as well as the culture and the conditioning that you grew up in. So I'm half Japanese, half Mexican. When I was born, my subconscious brain immediately downloaded my cultural conditioning. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to like press a special button. It's instant. It's called generational trauma that's passed down generation through generation to generation. Also past lives, right? Past lives follow us into this lifetime. So anything that has not been healed or acknowledged in a past life can also come into this life. And it is our soul's journey in this life to heal that. So going back to who modeled this behavior for you, again, it can be modeled through a parent or it doesn't have to be. It could just be something that you were born into. If it is modeled from a parent, this is actually what goes back to the father wound or the mother wound. Um, for me, interestingly enough, um, my stepmom kind of has contributed to this survivalist mentality within me. I'll get into that story next. Um, but through some of the things that through how she's lived her life it was a model for me in, in the opposite terms where i was like i don't want to be like you like i do not want to be like that um and then the last question of course is for you to start to take personal responsibility for how you are allowing these past experiences or your beliefs to have power over you in this life. Just because we have these experiences doesn't mean that we have to be a victim to them. No matter how much you think that you're not being a victim to it, I guarantee you, because I'm talking to myself, there is still so much room for improvement. We are humans, we are flawed. There's always an opportunity to check in and ask yourself, am I allowing this to serve me or to hurt me? Okay. Is it serving me or hurting me? Because a lot of times we can allow these past experiences to serve us. And then a lot of times we allow it to hurt us. So I'm going to tell you the story about my stepmom um, because this was a really big aha moment for me. Um, when I was working with my therapist, um, getting to the root cause of what is my trauma that is associated with slowing down? Like, why don't I want to slow down? Why can't I slow down? 
And it all of a sudden occurred to me that if I slow down, I'll be like her. And that's when it became very clear to me that I have a fear of not reaching my full potential. And that fear comes from seeing my stepmom and how she's decided to live her life. And I say this with complete unconditional love because we cannot change the people around us, but we can change the people around us, if you know what I mean. Um, So yeah, I can't change her and I don't want to, and this is who she is and I hold no judgment or blame for who she is. Um, But my stepmom is an incredibly talented sewer and jewelry maker, incredibly talented. Um, she makes like these like really intricate crystal jewelry. Well, she, well she'll make like a, um, a clam with like a pearl inside. Like it's so beautiful and it's so intricate and it's so detailed. And growing up, she sewed my clothes for me because we didn't have a lot of money and I wanted to look like I wore limited too. So she would cl- sew clothes for me that looked like limited too. She's so talented. And she's not doing anything with her talents. She's not pushing herself outside of her comfort zone and selling them. She's not taking initiative and um, starting an Etsy shop or doing, really putting her happiness in her control. And that really, like, I, I look at that and I'm just like, oh my God, like, I don't want that to be me. I, I see how she lives in victim mentality. I see how she, um, I see just how much potential she has that's not being met. And that is, that is my fear. And so because of that, I have this trauma associated with slowing down because if I slow down and if I don't do, don't take action towards my dreams and goals, like I I don't want to end up like her. And so it was a very big learning lesson for me to acknowledge that one, it's, not a crime that she is like that and to accept and love her for who she is, right? Like Byron Katie loving what is and that I am in control of my own life. And that just because my parents decided to live their lives a certain way, it doesn't mean that I'm going to end up like that. And so that was a very big aha moment for me to see that, okay, the, it was modeled in a different way. And she also modeled it in the way of, um, um, I have this expectation that was put on me of you need to know what to do before I tell you. And then, so I, and I've shared that with you guys a lot in the past. Um, and so like from there came like the belief that I like constantly needed to be doing and reading the room and people pleasing and, um, doing things before they were asked of me. And so that's also like this this like thing that made it so that slowing down felt hard and weird. So I hope this is making sense. So looking back on this like story of my stepmom and looking back at um, the survival mode of having to pay for everything and not getting help and not getting support, I can look at that from a victim mentality and allow that to hurt me and allow that to be my story and allow that to be my limitation. Or I can look at it from a victor mentality and allow it to serve me, allow it to be my leverage, allow it to protect me. 
And this is what inner child healing is. Inner child healing is reconnecting to the wounded inner child and reparenting ourselves so that we can then become the wonder child. So like the whole, like me building my business from ego and hustle and part of that thought process was like my parents didn't, didn't believe that I could. And so I was like, and my ex didn't believe that I could. So it was like, well, watch me, watch me make more money than you watch me be successful. Watch me be every single thing that you said I couldn't be, which is still wounded inner child energy. Right. And so the process of reparenting and looking at, looking at the trauma of, of slowing down is that is that the father wound? Is it the mother wound? Is it generational trauma? Is it past life trauma? And putting the pieces together, like I said, of your puzzle, just kind of putting the pieces together. You don't have to know all the pieces in order to heal, but it does definitely help to get like a idea. And then using these experiences that you went through and looking at what the learning lessons are. So like I said, I can look at whatever, everything happened to me and I can allow that to just hurt me and allow it to reinforce a story that I don't matter, or I can allow it to serve me. And I can see and use it as my learning lessons and allow those learning lessons to continue to protect me and to help me make good choices and to serve me without the heaviness of the negative emotions associated with it, right? So let's talk about the energy behind slowing down. So slowing down is the embodiment of the healthy feminine, of the divine feminine. So last week we talked about the masculine, how integration was the divine masculine and consumption was the wounded masculine. Slowing down is the divine feminine, okay? It is loving and empathetic and compassionate and supportive. And it is naturally, or she is naturally intuitive and listens to her heart rather than her mind. The wounded masculine is driven from ego and scarcity and hustle. The wounded feminine is neediness and codependency. The like needing to be taken care of. And so if this, for some reason, I never really got into, oh, I take that back. I did get into the wounded feminine um, with my, with the partners I chose in the past of, um, wow, I just had an aha moment. <laughs> I was like, I never did a wounded feminine energy. I take that back. Um, I found myself in toxic and abusive relationships because I was operating from my wounded feminine because I did not know how to operate from a healthy feminine, from the divine feminine. Because again, that's not something that was either modeled to me and it's not something that I learned. So looking at the energetics behind slowing down, when we slow down, we are operating from our divine feminine. We're giving ourselves time and space to nurture, to connect with our inner mother, um, to connect with our inner grandmother energy so that we can really take the time to nurture ourselves and nourish ourselves. And, I, and this, again, is, is that process of reparenting. So if you have a hard time slowing down, what's happening is that you're allowing yourself to operate from your wounded inner child. And the only way that this wounded inner child is is going to feel heard and acknowledged is if you take that time to hear and acknowledge her or him. If you're a guy listening to this. So that's very important. Um, 
a lot of my clients are like, I don't know how to do that. And listen, it's actually quite simple. It is, it's doing the work and being aware of when your patterns are arising. And in those moments, choosing to shift your pattern versus going back into the automatic. So if you have a pattern of, um, of um, overworking yourself and being overly critical, wounded masculine energy, and you notice that doing the work is when you notice it to shift it, to not go back to doing what you normally do, to not going back into autopilot. And maybe that looks like a small promise to yourself. Maybe that looks like just being gentle with yourself in that moment and creating time and space, just creating a space for you to be present with yourself and then calling in divine feminine energy of being compassionate and nurturing in that moment of like, this can take like 15 seconds where you just pause, you take a deep breath. Actually, let's all do this together. So just when, when you come upon this in the future, so you're just going to pause, you acknowledge that you're going back into an old pattern. You feel it bubbling up. You feel the overwhelm. You feel the critical voice coming through, put a hand on your heart, pause, close your eyes, take a deep breath here. Two more times, deep inhale in through your nose. Last one, deep inhale in, holding at the top and release. And then from this place, choosing consciously how you want to respond versus how you would normally react. That's the process of reparenting. That's the process of inner child healing. It's deep conscious awareness and giving ourselves the time and the space to hold space for ourselves, to allow feelings to move through us instead of repressing or reverting back to autopilot. So let's talk about practical steps. So what are some practical steps to start to bring this, I call it like an ease like in like a like a, a restful lifestyle, I guess you could call it. Um, when you have been in survival mode for a very long time, it can be very hard um, in the beginning to start to slow down. So these are very practical steps, right? Like I don't expect you to go from working sixty hours a week to twenty five. Like that's not feasible. But we can definitely start with baby steps of bringing slowing down into our lives and connecting with our divine feminine energy as we slow down. So starting with one no should day a month. This is best done on the day of your first bleed. So your first full bleed of your period, that is the best time to bring in a no should day. No should days are, um, I think, a really great first step in learning how to cycle sync and honor your body. Um, a no should day, if you're not familiar with that, I've talked about it a lot, is a day where everything we do doesn't have a should. So if you're telling yourself you should rest, that is still internalized pressure. So you can do whatever you want. The only caveat is you cannot say the word should. So it's like, checking in with yourself. And, and, and by the way, this is like, um, I remember my therapist, she didn't call it a no should day, but she called, she, we we're talking about days off and she was like, well, what do you do on your day off? And I was like, well, I have like my hair appointment scheduled. Then I get my nails done. Then I get this. And she goes, no, 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 no. Like that's not a day off. Like that's like, you still have things on your, on your calendar. Like, do you have any days where it's just open? And I was like, no, 
I was like, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, no, just having a day on your calendar where like, it's all open. Like nothing is planned. You make space for magic to come in. And I like literally thought she was crazy. I was like, lady, like even my days off are planned. So, um, so when she like brought this idea to me, I was like, that sounds, that sounds kind of dumb, but this was like three years ago. I'm so like, I've come so far. I love my no-shed days. They make such a big difference. And they are the first stepping stone to really connecting with your intuition and honoring your body and honoring like what it is that you want to do. I think the reason why it was so hard for me to have like an open day is because I relied so much on other people to kind of dictate my life. So it's like, well, if I have an open day, it's like, well, what's my husband doing? And you know, what's, what's Henrik doing? What, what are we doing with the dogs? It was like all these questions, but the no should day really allowed me to tap into myself. What do I want to do? What am I feeling called to do? And so I do this on the day of my period, the first day of a full bleed. And it is a beautiful ritual and ceremony to start to connect with your divine feminine, to connect with your body, to create space for yourself, to nourish and nurture yourself and do whatever it is that you want. So on those days, sometimes I work, sometimes I don't, right? Doesn't, uh, the only thing, like I said, is you're not allowed to say should. Okay, step number two, or number two, second practical step you can take is making space for your hobbies. Oh, actually, when I wrote my show notes out, I did do this as one, two, and three. So step two, once you've implemented a no should day and you're consistent with these, I'm not, I don't want you to do all these five things at once. It's just one at a time. So start with number one. Once that's become um, a part of your lifestyle. Oh, and I forgot to say what I really like about the no should day is that it's a two for one because not only is it giving yourself time to slow down and connect with your divine, but it also addresses your mindset because you start to listen to the language that you're using in your brain. Okay. Number two, after you've done that, is then start to make some space for your hobbies. You can do stuff that you normally tell yourself you don't have time to do. Um, A lot of times doing stuff with our hands, hands, I don't know why I said hands like that, doing stuff with your hands can be very grounding. Um, So whether that be gardening or crocheting or sewing or playing sports, Um, all of that can be very grounding. I um, remember when I was healing my divine feminine energy, I just all of a sudden, like when I started to give myself days off and no should days, all of a sudden, like this creative energy just started flowing to me. And I have this like deep desire to sew. It was the weirdest thing. On a whim, I went to Joanne's and I bought a sewing machine and I started to sew dog clothes. And it was like the weirdest thing, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to do it. And looking back, that was that healthy feminine energy flowing through me. That's creativity. That was source. That was spirit. So make space for your hobbies and watch your language here again. If you're telling yourself you don't have time for this, or I don't have time for hobbies, you're saying you don't have time for, you're saying that you're not worthy of time or you're not deserving of time. Okay. So be careful with your language. 
Step number three is then to adopt cycle syncing fully. So this is when we track our period in our journal as well as our energy level. So if you're already doing the Your Highest Self journal flow, you'll know we have the section to track your energy levels, right? So the, um, the energy, this is when you can write down what day you are in your period and um, start to track just like, where's my creativity at? Where is my energy at? Um, how am I feeling in my body? Um, this is really, really great because then you can start to align your business productivity with your period, which makes a huge difference in your business. If you're a coach, if you're an online creator, um, I freaking love it. I am obsessed with it. And I'm just gonna plant the seed here. Um, my friend Lucas and I, I think I talked about it last week, we're doing a goddess initiation and we are rewriting the cycle and it is so cool. I cannot wait to share with you once we've completed it, um, but we're changing the phases, right? Remember how there used to be four, summer, spring, winter, fall, we're changing it to three and we're creating a masculine and feminine archetype of it. So ah, I'm like so excited. I can't wait to share that with you once we've truly sat with it and let spirit work through us in sharing that message. So cycle syncing is an incredible way to get yourself to slow down because then you know you know exactly when your period is coming and you start to plan it out a month in advance. So now what I do in my calendar is I actually go in and block off a day or two during my bleed so that I have time and space to slow down. And then in the spring and summer, when I know I have more energy and my hormones are at the highest, that's when I schedule in more stuff, right? Like more calls or extra things because I know I'm going to have the energy to be able to, um, I'm going to have the energy and the capacity to be able to do all of that. Okay. Step number four, then once you've started to implement one, two, and three is to change your environment Actually, I guess this could be interchangeable. You could do this as number one, two. Um, take a trip, get out of your usual day-to-day -day grind and um, do something that is like, like outside of your comfort zone. So um, funny enough, my trip to Australia, which was a solo trip for me, was really, really amazing for healing this and for allowing me to learn how to slow down. Because when you get out of your environment and you get out of your day-to-day -day hustle, you start to become so much more aware of your thoughts. You become more aware of your habits and aware of like what your autopilot is. Okay. Last one is to just continuously push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Slowing down will feel uncomfortable. It will, especially if you're used to hustling, especially if you're used to doing and if you're extra courageous um, and what I think makes the most progress is if you slow down to a state of discomfort and then recalibrate from there. What I mean is not filling up your calendar when you have an extra time slot, canceling calls if you need that extra time. Like slowing down to a point of discomfort, I think is a beautiful place to start to recalibrate. And that's, that's a mindset, right? You have to have the awareness for when you, um, when you know you need to slow down. And this was me in March. I had so many things planned that I wanted to do. And I had like a million things on my to-do list. 
And while I did have the energy, I like looked at myself and my, my calendar and I was like, you know what? I'm doing it again. I am needing to be the person who does the most. And so I very consciously decided to slow down. I very consciously decided to push back launch dates and things that I was doing and delegate and delete some other stuff and to slow down, like having, but having that awareness is, is the different rituals that I've developed over the years and the consciousness and the awareness and the connection that I have to my body and to my intuition. So I think that this is like a two prong thing where in order for yourself to develop this awareness, you do have to have rituals in your life. You have to um, make a commitment and a devotion to your rituals, like meditating, breath work, qigong, reiki, as well as taking action on it when you have that awareness instead of going right back to your autopilot. So um, that is one of the things I am going to be teaching you in Create Your Purpose is rituals to connect with your intuition, to develop a deeper understanding and a deeper awareness for your auto for your autopilot, like your subconscious habits and patterns and thoughts, um, because that is literally what drives your life. So you need to know these things. So I hope that these practical steps were helpful. I hope that you were able to look at all the different puzzle pieces of your life and start to put together and reflect and have a deeper sense of awareness for all these experiences that have developed you into the person that you are today. And I want to also remind you to love these experiences that created you. When you can love these experiences, you create a deeper amount of unconditional self-love for yourself, which ultimately is the one thing we all need to feel like the most empowered and confident versions of ourselves. If you cannot love yourself, if you cannot love all of these experiences that shaped you, then you are going to be in the same spot, fighting and hustling and operating from a wounded masculine. So if you have any questions, DM me if you are in a season of slowing down. I want to acknowledge you. I see you and I hear you. I know how uncomfortable it can be sometimes. And sometimes the best form of productivity is slowing down. Slowing down is a power move. I read that quote somewhere and it hit me like a rock. So I see you, I acknowledge you, and I am so, so proud of you for doing this for yourself, for doing this for your business, to do this for your family, to do this for your community, and to be a role model for true leadership, true feminine leadership. Because there are so many people out there who are just overworking themselves, overcompensating, like workaholics and not taking care of their health, not taking care of their mental and emotional health. And it shows, right? And it does not create thriving, sustainable businesses. Been there, done that. I promise you, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I already did it for us and I can tell you it doesn't work. So um, again, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me if this is a season that you're in and um, if I can offer you support in any way, you just let me know. I'll see you guys next week, same time, same place. Don't forget to be your highest self. Bye for now.